Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to have a good time though this morning. If you have your Bible, uh, turn me to Acts chapter 9. Let's read 10 verses together. This is incidentally right after the first nine verses, uh, hence we're starting in verse 10. And uh, the first nine verses actually discuss a guy named Saul of Tarsus, who is a, uh, again, he's, he's the Osama bin Laden, for those of you that are older than 29, um, that know who that is. And it's crazy that my kids have no idea what 9-11 was. So I'm like having to educate them. I'm like, you guys are babies. And I'm old. Okay, we'll keep going. But uh, this guy was a terrorist. He was one of the greatest enemies of the early church. And by the way, I'm just really grateful for the book of Acts. I think arguably it's the most important book of the Bible. Without the book of Acts, we have no idea what the church looks like after the resurrection. The book of Acts is maybe the only book in the Bible that's not completed. What do you mean, preacher? I mean it's the only book because it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Some people call it, some scholars call it the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. And the idea of the book of Acts is, is that it's the only book, maybe not written all the way, because God is still doing Acts through the Holy Spirit through Christians today. And we believe that the Bible was not written to tell us what God has done only. It was actually written to tell us what God will continue to do. Listen to me. Jesus did miracles not to show us that he could heal people. He did miracles to remind his followers that we could do miracles. And so today, again, if you're like, well, this is one of those faith churches, absolutely. We're not a doubt church. If you want a doubt church, you can find another doubt church somewhere else. I just have a problem with any belief in God that requires zero faith. And a religion that says that, well, I'm not believing God, that he can heal anything, touch anything, fix anything, solve anything, help anything, that the problem with that type of theology is, is that it requires zero faith. And in Hebrews 11, can I preach before I preach? Is that okay? It says that it's impossible to please God without faith. For he who comes to God must believe. He must. So why would God want you to go to a church that requires no belief? God wants you to go to church that requires belief. Must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We believe that God has spoke, but we also believe that he's still speaking. John 10 says, and my sheep know my... It's funny when preachers get up and they, they're dispensationalists and they say, God does not speak anymore. He spoke through the apostles and the early church, but he no longer speaks. And the irony of the whole thing is, is they always say, well, I'm in ministry today because God called me. How'd you hear him if he doesn't speak? Another message. Acts chapter 9. Is it okay to get fired up today? I'm just going to preach like I got some caffeine in my, my, my veins. All right, if you got your Bible, Acts chapter 9. Let's go here this morning. I'm going to start reading in verse 10. There was a certain disciple. I'll fill you in on what happens the first nine verses, but there is a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord, the Lord said in a vision, he said, what did he do? He, hence God is a communicator. He said in a vision, Ananias, he knew his name. He said, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord, four words. So the Lord said to him, get up, go to the street called Straight, inquire the house of Judas for one who is called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. He is praying. He's what? And in a vision, in his prayer time, he has seen a man named Ananias coming to him, 
putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard from many, from, I love it, it was trending on social media. I've heard from many people about this guy, how much harm, this guy has been harmful to Christianity, harm he has done to the saints in Jerusalem, and now he has authority from the chief priest and basically the Sanhedrin to bind anyone, arrest anyone who calls on your name in Damascus. But the Lord said to him, go, say with me, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias said, uh, Ananias, verse 17, Ananias went, he got up, he went his way, he entered the house, he laid hands on, on Saul, he says this, watch what he says, brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, immediately, something like scales came off of Saul's eyes, and he received his sight at once. He arose, and he was baptized. He arose, and he was baptized. So when he had received some uh, Chick-fil-A, is what the Greek says there, um, it was Saturday. Come on, they were open. And he, he, he received some food. He was strengthened. Then Saul spent some time, some days, with the disciples at Damascus. Last verse. Immediately, when did he do it? He preached that Jesus was the Christ. In the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. I want to talk to you today about the best neighbor. The best, the best, the best neighbor. I think Ananias is one of the best neighbors in the Bible. And I want to talk to you today about it and how we can be the best type of neighbors. You ready to go? God, I just thank you for the next few minutes that you would remind us that we're on the earth for a purpose. I thank you that no one in this room is an accident. <clears throat> I just feel like God wants to remind everyone in this room that everyone in this room was in the heart of God before you were on the earth. And God's desire is to know you, it's to actually live with you, to have you live for him. And I pray today that you would show people how good you are, how much you love them, and how you want to, Lord, live life with them from this day forward. I pray that you would missionalize this church, weaponize us for the kingdom of God. I pray you'd push back darkness through Ocean's Church. Let it be an awesome day, and God, do what you can next season for the Lakers. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Amen, amen. You ever had a good neighbor? Who's had a good neighbor before? A few people have had good neighbors. I actually love my neighbors. Some of my, my favorite neighbors I've ever had, I have right now. They actually go to our church. Mikey and Sarah are our neighbors, and they're just the sweetest. They'll be here next service, and uh, I love my neighbors. I had some, I've had some different neighbors, though. Who's ever had a little bit different of a neighbor? I've had good neighbors. I think we could constitute what a good neighbor is. Good neighbors are generous. They're hospitable. They're inviting. They're warm. They smile at you. They don't scowl. But I had some crazy neighbors. We had a neighbor, uh, actually, in our, one of our houses we lived in in Idaho. If you didn't know, uh, about a year ago, I was living in Idaho uh, this day last year. And it's crazy that it's almost been a year since we've moved. And, uh, but I was living in Idaho, and our, actually, our second house we lived in, my wife and I, we heard a loud thud one night. And we're like, what in the world was that? And about, I don't know, it was probably five minutes later, we see, like, sirens, and we start hearing, well, I guess we would have heard the sirens. We saw them, I guess, too, but we, uh, we saw the lights, heard the sirens, 
And uh, Rochelle said in bed, she goes, Mark, I bet you they're going to our neighbor's house. Now, this neighbor was a little sketchy, a little bit, little bit uh, always had cars coming and going all hours of the day. We ne- we're the nicest people on the earth, at least we think that. And we just never could connect with these neighbors. We didn't know who lived in the house because there was always different people coming and going, revolving door. So I don't know if he was in street pharmaceuticals. I'm not sure. Um, but what I do know is there was a loud thud that night. And uh, all, next thing I know, midnight, I see him pulling into our neighborhood. And I literally walk around uh, our bedroom through our we had an office that had a window to the front yard. And I could see all these cop cars. There's like... 10 cop cars with guns drawn, pointing towards my neighbor's house. So I was like, hey, Rochelle, let's get on the ground <laughs> on the other side of the house. And it was just a crazy moment. We've had great neighbors. We've had crazy neighbors. You know those neighbors that are just kind of, they're not the best. They're the worst. They report you to the HOA. This true story. I, have a, I, think, I don't know if it's currently or not, but we had a neighbor report us uh, for not putting our trash bins behind the gate. And I have a giant bush that actually disguises the bins. And I'm like, you report me to the HOA, to the NRA, the CIA, the FBI, the, the NSA, the MIBs. Men in black, come on. I thought that was funny. But you, uh, you have neighbors that, that, you know, they're kind, and you have neighbors that aren't very kind. But I just look at the Bible, and uh, many times I think we don't really know what type of neighbor when Jesus says, be a good neighbor. Because really, it's, it's the second commandment. Love God with all that you got, and love your neighbor as you love your... So loving your neighbor, it's a big deal. It's actually half of this thing called following Jesus. And I, looked, I was reading through this, and I just couldn't shake this, in, in this insatiable pull that Ananias very well could be the most significant, the most prominent good neighbor, and maybe the whole of the Bible. This guy lives out the Good Samaritan. He literally lives out the Good Samaritan. We, we know the story, as it says in Acts chapter 9, 1 through 9, that there's a guy named Saul of Tarsus. He's on a 140-mile journey from, from Jerusalem to Damascus. It would take him seven days to complete this journey. And somewhere on the journey, at about noon, a light shines from heaven. He hears a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? This is a good thought right here. Two things I, I get out of the story is there are people that we would define as unreachable that God wants to reach. This guy is a terrorist. He's, done, he's doing more damage to Christianity than any other human on the earth. And if we're being honest, I think if you had a list and I had a list of people that we could never see at church, never reading their Bibles, or never desiring to pray, it'd be our boy, Saul of Tarsus. He'd be at the top of that list. And what I love is is that Jesus says, you're persecuting me. Notice this, that God considers when people persecute you in his name, that he takes that persecution personally. Are you catching me here today? He says, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. He's like, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Immediately, he loses his sight. And for the first time of his life, he becomes naturally what he has been spiritually his entire life. He is now blind. He is living solely by his feelings. He is reliant upon people to, to lead him. And, and the voice says, go into Jerusalem. And watch what it says. Jesus says, and, and you will be told what you must do. I love this because this is the first and this is the last time that God states a fact. That the first part of your life, Saul, you've been living to do what you like. But from now on, you're going to be living to do what I like. Follow where my voice will lead you. Go in there and you'll be told what you must do. So the story picks up that he goes in blind. 
He doesn't eat for three days, three nights. He's on death's doorstep. You can only live three days without food and water. And he is the weakest he has ever been physically in his life, but he is the closest thing in his life to who he's been to God in his entire life. Isn't it crazy that sometimes when we're at our weakest, we see God at his strongest? And he's physically, like, depleted, and he's drained. And this guy, Ananias, he's, he's praying. It says that God speaks to him in a vision, Ananias. And I want you to write these things down because Ananias may be the greatest depiction of the real-life Good Samaritan parable in the, in the whole of the New Testament. What do we know about him? There's really five things I believe that constitute great neighbors. The best neighbors on the earth, not just being a good neighbor that loans, you know, blenders and salt and pepper or lets you give you some peanut butter when you're missing the jelly. Are you following me? Good neighbors don't just do those things. I believe great Christian followers of God, the best type of neighbors, are like Ananias in really five regards. If you want to write these down that I believe, number one, what made Ananias so valuable to, to being the greatest neighbor, maybe in the New Testament, is that number one, he was available. He was available. Now, if you're older than 30 years of age, you remember how it was when you called someone's home phone before cell phones. And there was two options back in the day. There was an era when I was a kid that there was no such thing as answering machines. So you had really, the first option was, is you want to get a hold of somebody, you would call and you would stay on the line as long as you were committed. It could ring for four years. It'll just keep ringing and ringing and ringing. Nowadays, it'll throw you to voicemail. It's like, just, this guy's mailbox isn't set up, go away. But back in the day, you could actually keep ringing as long as you wanted to stay on the line. Or you could have a voicemail set up, and you could leave a message and say, hey, call me back when you get home. But before cell phones, believe it or not, it was a lot harder to get a hold of people. You're like, man, I don't know if they're going to be home. Should I drive to their house? We don't know. It's a, it's a roll of the dice. They might be there, might not be there. But it's interesting because I think one of the things that makes us the most valuable to God is a willingness to be available. You ever try to get a hold of somebody when you need to get a hold of them? Only to find that you cannot reach them? How many have a list in your phone that you're like, look, if it was ever an emergency, I would not call these people. I'm not going to name any names, but my my wife's family. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's a joke, guys. Tough crowd. They're like the hardest people to track down sometimes. My mom is the same way. It's like, mom, cell phones are to be carried on your person. If you're going to only answer your cell phone at home, why have a cell phone? She said, I'm sorry, I was gone. I'm like, bring it with you, mom. That's why it's a cell phone. But uh, I think that one of the things that made Ananias so dynamic as a neighbor is he was available. I love this guy. I, I love him because he really demystifies that you have to be an apostle or great to be used by God. He's the only guy in really the the book of Acts that's just kind of like floats under the radar. If you don't know this, the book of Acts was written by Dr. Luke, really about four predominant apostles. Ananias is not an apostle. He doesn't have a mega ministry. He's not this man of God that has this huge following or television program. We actually don't read about Ananias anywhere else in scripture except Acts chapter 22 when Paul is recounting the journey that happened in Acts chapter 9. He is not the same Ananias in in chapter 5. That Ananias is dead. Are you following me? This guy is different. This guy is only used one time. He's got this special, special call in his life that he's responsible for leading maybe, arguably, the most influential Christian to Jesus that's ever lived on the earth after Jesus. His resume would just go, I led 
the most significant Christian to Jesus. That is his greatest exploit. But we know he's got to be pretty humble because nowhere else in the Bible do we find that he tried to build a ministry off the credentials of leading Saul to the Lord. Can you imagine nowadays? It'd be like, hey, you know Saul Tarsus? Yeah, I led him to the Lord. That's my fruit. That's part of my vine. That's one of my branches. That's one of my, I'm, not just, I'm, I'm going to keep going until you come on, give me an amen. That's one of my offshoots. I'm telling you that this guy, if anyone had an excuse to be braggadocious, it was, it was Ananias. And we only see here that he was available, which I want to let you know this. If you want to change your work environment, your, your marriage, your family, all you got to do is, number one, just be willing to be available. Hey, God, if you want to use someone to change this atmosphere, this family, I'm available. My phone's connected. I'll pick up. And I'm telling you today that some, so many people, I'm just convinced, they think that, well, I'm not, I'm not an apostle, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an evangelist or a prophet, so God can't use me in a dramatic way to bring change. And I love Ananias because he completely dismantles that argument. He's not great, he's not, he's ordinary. He's probably the most ordinary, highly used person in the Bible. And we see here that not only was he available... But he was number one, is, is number one, he, he was available, and he was the best neighbor ever because he took action. He took action. I actually think that he actually had some, he had an argument. He's like, hey, God, I heard on Instagram and Facebook that this dude is all over CNN and Fox News. This guy is a terrorist. He is, he's arresting people. He killed Stephen. One of my buddies that lives in Jerusalem got arrested by this guy. I know this guy is like, the, the, he is the greatest enemy of the church alive. And you're telling me Saul of Tarsus, he's at Judas' house. You want me to go there on the street called Straight? You want me to go help that guy? And I bet he had a little bit, just for being honest, he had like a little bit of reservation. Yeah. I actually think that he was like more apt to go once he found out that he was blind. Wow. He's blind, right? How blind is he? Like he couldn't give me a description of the sketch artist. He's like blind, blind. I think he had some reservations for sure. I think he probably rolled up to the house, which is funny. He, he just God has a sense of humor. God straightens out Saul on the street called. God has a sense of humor. Most crooked guy in the, in the New Testament, God straightens out on a street called straight. And he gets to this guy's house called Judas. He, he knocks at the door. Can you imagine uh, Ananias in the story? He probably goes like this when the door opens. Sound effects are free. Come on. Door opens up. I guarantee that, that the Ananias probably went like this. He's like, Saul? Oh, Judas. All right, we're good. Is, is there a blind guy here named Saul of Tarsus? And I love this because I believe that at some point when you pray about something so long, you have to at some point get off your knees and stand to your feet and go to action. I think many Christians today are praying about things that Jesus has already answered. I think many, if we're not careful, we're waiting on God when God's like, I'm waiting on you. Like, God, well, I'm just, we're waiting on you, Lord. And I just think many times we're not careful, especially in charismatic camps and the evangelical church, we will keep on mystifying in prayer things that God has already settled in heaven. And I'm just telling you today, I think God's desire is, is to believe, is to pray on our knees, and then get up and then do it. I love that he pushes back a little bit. He's like, this guy's crazy. And God's like, Go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Go! And he gets up and he actually goes. 
I think many times we live in the state of theorizing and um, in the land of just kind of romanticizing. Maybe God will do something someday. But I love this because he, he actually was available, which is the first prerequisite being used by God. You don't have to be gifted, talented, or good-looking, or own a Hawaiian t-shirt, or wear your wife's jeans, or, or any of that. All you have to do, all you have to do is be available. Hey, God, I'm not the smartest guy, I'm not the best-looking guy, but I am available. And if you're available, he'll actually put something in your heart, and the next thing is you just got to take action. Isn't it interesting that the same God, watch this, that spoke to Ananias was the same guy that actually showed Saul in a dream, while he's praying, that there's going to be a guy that heals him named Ananias, which leads us to number three. I believe that the best type of neighbors aren't just available. They're not just, uh, number two, uh, willing to take action. The best type of neighbors, they have faith that they can become the answer to someone's prayers. I don't know about you, man, but I believe that God wants to make us answers to other people's prayers. I want you, I mean, I could just, I could spend the whole day today talking about this idea. I was praying this last week, and I just felt like the Lord's saying over and over again, you know what Ocean's Church is? It's an answer to people's prayers. It's an answer. People have been praying, God, I've been asking you for a great church. We're an answer to those prayers. There was a grandma that was praying for their grandson. There was a wife that was praying for her husband. There was an atheist asking God for truth. We are a community that will be an answer to people's prayers. And listen to me, not only collectively, I believe individually, God wants to make Neil an answer to someone's prayers. He wants to make Ron an answer to someone's prayers. He wants to make Matt an answer. Follow me. I'm sorry, this is first service. Settle down, dude. God wants to make us answers to other people's prayers. Think about that. Man, Ananias, he's just, Saul's praying, he's starving, he's almost dead. And at at death's doorstep, God gives him a vision, a guy named Ananias, which this is a great thought, preacher interjection idea. If you're a preacher, write this down. This preach is really good. That thing about this, Ananias, God, was, God had enough confidence in Ananias to actually list his name to Saul in his prayer time. Think about how much confidence that God had that, look, I know you're going to do this because I already told him it was you. And if you don't respond, Ananias, I'm going to have to reach probably 140 miles in Jerusalem to find another Ananias that can come over here. It's going to take an extra week. He'll be dead. God knew that Ananias could do it before Ananias knew that he could do it. Ananias, he saw you already. You already got this. Faith, you know what I've learned? Faith often sees what will happen before it happens. My wife and I, we had no money. We bought our first house. That's why we were crazy enough to move to California. We're like, God, if we could buy a house with no money in Idaho, maybe we can buy a house in California with a little bit of money. But we looked at our first house. We had just got engaged. I just spent all of my money and then borrowed $2,000 from my older brother. Not a, not a way to do it, by the way. I was just, I was young and didn't know what I was doing. But we got engaged. I got back to Idaho and Rashawn and I said, you know it would be cool? It'd be awesome to own a house. It'd be cool if we could just fast track, not living in an apartment. Nothing wrong with apartments. But we're like, man, if we could own a house. We live in Idaho, so why not? Houses are like 10 bucks. So we went to this house. We looked in the windows of this house. It was just built. It was brand new. And we just prayed. We said, God, we know we don't have any money. We know we don't have any connections. We know that we, don't, we shouldn't be able to buy this house or a house like this. We know that this is actually impossible for us. But we also want to remind you that anything is possible for you. 
And really, what we did is, and we felt, we felt the Holy Spirit told us, that he said, I want you to visualize yourself living in this house as you're praying. I want you to visualize pastoring young kids in that living room while you're praying. Cooking dinner at that stove while you're praying. And literally, we had eyes of faith. Dr. Youngie Cho, largest church pastor in the world, he says this, that there's a sixth dimension that when you pray by faith, you actually believe that God can do things. And you can almost visualize by the eyes of faith, this is what's going to happen at my family. So what's going to happen in my business. I can see God, you taking care of things. And long story short, God provided a realtor that volunteered to do everything for free that we didn't know. He had a best friend that had a mortgage company that he told him that, he told that he was, was going to do everything for free. And the mortgage guy said, I want to do everything for free. So we had a mortgage guy. We had a realtor that said, we'll do everything for free. We're like, praise God. We still don't have money. And then the realtor said, well, there's a little clause that says, we'll buy the house if X, Y, and Z. We wrote everything out on this clause. And in, I, I, incidentally, this guy in our church found out that we were making an offer on this house in this neighborhood. And he goes, oh, that's, that's Fred's neighborhood. That's my best friend. I'll put in a good word for him that you're the youth pastors at our church. And lo and behold, we bought a house with no money. All I put down was $500 earnest money, which is all the money I could scrap together. We lived in that house for six months. We sold it. We made $75,000 off that house. God, listen to me, because we saw in prayer what God wanted. I'm sorry, this is another message. But I just feel like some of you, prayer is not just wishful thinking. It's believing that God can. It's not wishful thinking. It's believing that God can. Sorry, I'm fired up. I believe that, that God wants to make us an answer to somebody else's prayer. And I'm sure that as he gets to the house, I'm almost finished, we can wrap this up. Is, uh, I, I believe the fourth thing that he had to have, because I actually believe the best neighbors in the world, they have one commonality trait, one common trait, one correlation across the board, that great Christians always have, number, number four, they always have spiritual amnesia. What do you mean godly amnesia? I actually believe that when you actually want to be a good neighbor, you have a short memory of what people have done wrong. And you have a long memory of what God has done right for that person. So many people, if we're not careful, we start writing off people that God has never written off. Can, I just, can, I just, can you just write this in your notes? Even God waits until we die to judge us. And he knows everything. So why would you and I, finite beings that can't even figure out our own lives, try to judge other people while they're still alive when the God who knows everything waits until they die to judge them. I actually believe that Christians oftentimes give up on people before they should. And I want to just encourage you today, if you have a list of people you could write down that are unreachable, unsavable. This guy will never be a Christian. This girl will never be a Christian. That entertainer will never know Jesus. I want you to do me a favor. Write, write the list down and then rip it up. Because we serve a God that can reach anybody. We serve a God that loves. He specializes in chasing down people that are actually chasing down Christians. God, in his infinite love, uses Ananias. And this is the craziest, probably one of the greatest depictions of Samaritan-like love. That he would actually go to a man who likely arrested some of his friends. And walk into the room of a blind man that was so weak, he was frail that he could have bullied this guy. You know what I love is that God, he doesn't use Apollos. Apollos was maybe the greatest preacher of the early church. 
He doesn't use Peter, who's arguably probably one of the greatest fighters. He probably would have been in the MMA if he was uh, alive today. I would have sent Peter personally, just in case Saul got a little rowdy. Come on, Peter could have defended himself. God doesn't send Peter. He doesn't send James or John. God sends Ananias. And Ananias, maybe God knew that Ananias is one of the few people with a small enough skull, a thin enough skull, to actually go, you know what? I know this guy's done a lot of bad things. But God, watch what he does. He walks into the room. He lays his hand on him. If you arrested some of my friends and tortured them and beat them up, I would have laid hands on you, but a different type of hands. Come on, hashtag Ken Shamrock. Are you following me? I would have lifted, I would have put different types of hands on you. But watch this. Ananias, he, he has spiritual amnesia. He has forgotten how bad this guy has been. And he walks in the room, and I actually believe that maybe Saul's conversion experience is so dramatic, not just because of what Jesus did, but because of the greeting that he got when he was welcomed to the faith. Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you might regain your sight. Come on, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know this, that this, this enemy of Jesus, who's maybe arguably one of the hardest people that was ever, ever to be reached, he had an encounter with God, and I want you to write this down. Unreachable people, when they encounter Jesus, will always have two things happen to them. He lost his sight, so number one, it'll change the way they see life. And number two, he didn't eat for three days or drink for three days. It'll always change their appetites. You know what God wants to do to everyone that's never known him? He wants, to, he wants to change the way they see him and the way they see everybody else. I actually think that he made them blind because blind people have a heightened sense of hearing when they can't see. And God wanted, Ananias, wanted, wanted Saul to hear better than he's ever heard. So he took away something that would actually be a crutch from preventing him to hear the I'm sorry, I'm just feeling something in the room today. Is God wants us to actually hear accurately. Ananias. I want you to go that this guy might get his sight back and get his appetite back. You know what God will always do is always bring godly people in your life that will affect the way that you see the world and will affect the way that you have appetites, what you crave in life. You will become like your friends. And if you hang out with people that are always encouraging you to do the wrong things, you'll have an appetite for the wrong things. But if you start making some of the people in this room, in this community, some of your closest friends what will happen is you'll get your appetite back. I'll finish. He had amnesia. And I believe, and we'll just, maybe we'll land right here, is the best neighbors, you know, it's interesting, Ananias means Jehovah has graciously given. That's what its name means. God has graciously given. And Saul literally means desired or called by God. You know what I've learned many times? Some of the people that were called by God do the greatest things. Are believers because of somebody that had a moment with Jesus that they're just simply so grateful for. This guy was just like, God has been so gracious to me. And I'll be honest with you, the people that have the greatest tolerance to obnoxious people are people that were formerly obnoxious. God has been gracious to me. Would you stand to your feet? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.